my mind, from my perspective at the time, he just became a different person. He was very withdrawn. He was very cold. He didn't really talk. You know, it went on long enough that I started withdrawing. I wanted a divorce. That's what I wanted. I said, I don't want this guy anymore. Like, I don't want this. There, You know, there was just a plethora of emotions. I had to reach out to God. Hey friend, I'm Hannah Lapsansky, and you're listening to the Moms Grab Coffee podcast, where moms share how they find peace and joy in the chaotic beauty that is motherhood. If you're stressed, overwhelmed, and exhausted, come join us to fill yourself up with hope and wisdom from moms who are in it too, and who will always point you back to Jesus. Hey, what's up, my dear mama friend? It is the week before Valentine's Day. And whether you celebrate Valentine's Day or not, you probably can't get away from lots of people talking about their relationships, their marriages, all of that good goobly gobbly stuff. The heck is a goobly gobbly stuff? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Okay, whatever. You know what I mean. Love is in the air. But what if it's not? What if your relationship or your marriage is at a breaking point and you don't know what to do? I've been thinking about what to talk about during this Valentine's Day week episode for a while. And frankly, I keep coming back to one of my very first guests who talked about how she saved her broken marriage. And what I loved about her path to restoring her marriage was that it was not about working on her husband. It was not about pushing him to become the person she needed him to be. It was about her obedience to God and her commitment to do what he has called her to do in her marriage. And she shared exactly what that obedience looked like and felt like. Spoiler alert, she didn't have fun. She didn't do it with a smile on her face. In fact, she cried a lot. Okay, so that might make you think that this is a bit of a downer episode, but it absolutely is not. Because God used her obedience to restore her and her marriage. And that is cause for a great celebration. So if you're struggling with a relationship right now, if you're struggling trying to decide whether you should stay in your marriage or not, disclaimer, I'm not talking about abusive relationships here, then stick around for this replay episode with Luisa Rodriguez. And in your article, you shared a lot of tough stuff that you and your husband have been through. And I think most would call any of them the catalyst point towards a broken marriage. Things like having to live in separate states, the unpredictable nature of the military, reduction in finances. But those weren't really the catalyst for your marriage. In fact, you said you cruised through those events. So it sounds like your relationship was solid. Was that actually the case? Yeah. So I would say that our first 10 years of marriage was actually pretty good. And he was not a Christian. I I did what I wasn't supposed to do. You know, I married unequally yoked. And um, I mean, he was Catholic by birth, but you know, he never went to mass or anything like that. So he would never have defined, you know, Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. 
But we had a lot in in common. I mean, he was a Marine. I love studying the military. I mean, it's what I did for a living. Um, when I started my career, we just, we loved war movies. We had a lot of stuff to talk about. We loved laughing. We loved traveling. Like even the first five years when we spent, you know, we lived in two different states, partly because I had my career and I didn't want to move and he was in the military and well, he goes where the military sends him. Um, we still made it work. We made it work. We talk every night. We just end up talking for hours, like every night during those five years. And, um, I have to say that we were a little bit arrogant about how great our marriage was for those first 10 years. And, you know, we'd see other people with problems and we we're like, well, thank God that's not us. Um, but you know, as uh, they say pride comes before the fall. <laughs> yeah. So what was that catalyst point for you where you started seeing your marriage crumble? So the precursor to that, it wasn't the event that caused it, but I think it was uh, an important part of it was when he was deployed to Afghanistan. And that was his first like combat deployment. And, um, and I was okay with him going, we talked about it. He didn't have to go, but we talked about it. And I knew that it was important for him to be able to do that as scary as it was for me, but I managed, I finished my master's degree I got involved in uh, in church and all those kind of things. But I, I what I wasn't prepared for was who my husband became afterwards. Even though intellectually, I've, I might have understood the changes that could happen to a person after being in that kind of situation. But I wasn't ready for like the reality of it, I guess. And so, you know, our first 10 years of marriage, like he always gave me so much attention. Like he was so much fun. I mean, he's really funny. He laughter was a big part of our marriage. And so he came back from Afghanistan and he went into a, um, a unit in Pennsylvania. And now I was still in Virginia. So he came back to Pennsylvania and I was in Virginia and we did it that way because, um, it didn't make sense for me to move to Pennsylvania while he was in Afghanistan because my family and friends were in Virginia and I didn't, and he didn't want me to be alone uh, while he was away. So he came back to Pennsylvania. I was still in Virginia. We had bought a house in Pennsylvania, but it was being remodeled. So I didn't move up there right away. And, and that was another issue of contention that where living in different cities had never been an issue because of this sort of like perfect storm that um, developed that became a, um, a huge issue. And so he went back to PA and he went into a unit that was really horrible. I mean, they were not treating him really well at the time. I had no idea because he always prided himself of keeping work and home separately. So he never talked about work. I mean, he was a Marine. So he like he would swear at work, but he would never swear at home. It was just, he was really good at kind of keeping two lives separate. So the treatment and the pressure that he was under at work, the stress, plus what he was dealing with, with whatever he went through in Afghanistan, in my mind, from my perspective at the time, he just became a different person. He was very withdrawn. He was very cold. He didn't really talk a lot. And in hindsight, I realized that our conversations in those first 10 years of marriage were very superficial. You like the movies we like, the places we like to go to. 
they were never those deep conversations about what he was going through or feelings or emotions. And, um, but all conversation kind of stopped after that. So when I would travel from the weekends up to see him, he was living in the house, but there was a lot of dust and I'm like very allergic to dust. So I would travel to see him, but he was just so withdrawn. He was, uh, I was starting to feel very unloved and uncared for. He wasn't communicating with me what was going on. So I thought it was me, like what's going on. Like, and I would ask him and he really wouldn't talk about it. And, um, you know, it went on long enough that I started withdrawing. Like I started not talking. I started not wanting to go visit him on the weekend. So I would find excuses. I had become really involved in a, a local church and I was, uh, teaching college students and the teenagers and, uh, I, I loved it. And so I would just use that as an excuse to not go up there, which then of course created a bigger problem. And before all of these events happened, did you and your husband talk about your feelings? Was that a normal thing to open up and really dig into how each other was feeling and kind of the emotional state? No, I mean, I was always really good about talking about my feelings. I, you know, I could explain every feeling I had, everything, every emotion that was going through my mind. He was always, he would always listen. He was always a good listener, but he never talked about his feelings or his emotions, his trauma or what he was going through. Or Honestly, there's a lot about his childhood um, and things that he went through that I didn't find out about till maybe four years ago, five years ago, We've been married almost 20 years. So he was very tight lipped. So at this point, all of that was amplified. Yes. When all of these stressors just came in and the biggest of them was, I think for me, his lack of a, what appeared to me in my perspective at, at that time, I have a different understanding now, but at that time, like his lack of attention towards me and care for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that really just, uh, in my mind, I made things bigger than they really were. If I had known the reality of what was going on, it might've turned out differently. Yeah. And how did you come to know that reality? Well, a lot of it was, <laughs> was actually after we began to kind of heal our our marriage. So it was actually little things that would pop up here and there, like Bible study groups and different just conversations. He's a lot more open now, but, you know, it was later on that he finally told me just everything that he had been going through and why he had been so quiet and so withdrawn and one of the things that was uh, like, I didn't like going up to see him in PA because I felt so uncared for and so unloved. And and then he started getting very um, antagonistic to the church that I was working with. He, he didn't like sharing me with them. And I could sense that and I could feel that and it only make me angry because in my mind, I'm doing God's work. Like he's keeping me from doing what God wants me to do. But in his mind, he just liked having me there, being home. He told me like I would bring him comfort 
even if we didn't talk, just me doing my normal cooking or being around or cleaning or sometimes just sitting with him and watching a movie, even if he wasn't talking, he just had comfort from that. But of course, at the time, he never expressed <laughs> those feelings. So yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get through that? Knowing that, well, you didn't know you were bringing him that level of comfort that he really needed. So how do you continue to push through and not fall into, well, this marriage is, it's just not going to work? Yeah, well, it did get pretty bad because I withdrew. I became a person I didn't even recognize. I think on the surface, people that saw me at church would have been like, oh, you know, what a good Christian. She's here every weekend. She comes to church, whatever. But I was not. I just, I became a person I didn't recognize. Um, I started like spending money, like not like, you know, a hundred dollars here, like thousands of dollars. Like I blew through our savings. I was just, because it was like my own therapy, I guess, shopping and just whatever. I, and I stopped caring. If I am honest about who I became, like I wouldn't have liked that person. But this was kind of behind the scenes. It's not the persona that I would have portrayed on on the outside. And um, I don't know. I stopped caring about him. I stopped caring about the marriage per se. I stopped trying and even like, I did have my daughter there. She was, you know, like five years old at the time, four or five. And I, I did put a lot of energy and, and effort into her. But other than that, I didn't um, really care too much. Feelings-wise, I would have wanted a divorce. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted a divorce. That's what I wanted. As a, I don't want this guy anymore. Like, I don't want this. I don't – the fact that he was not a Christian became an even bigger issue that had not been before – and uh, so I was like, God, like, how can I even do what you want me to do if I'm stuck in this marriage where he doesn't even want me to, like, get involved in church or, or go to church or any of those things? So uh, I wanted out. That's how I wanted. But I had this, I did have this fear of God where I was afraid of divorce because I was afraid of that act of disobedience. Like, I was doing a lot of disobedience, but divorce just seemed like a step too far. But I think if I had let my emotions, if I had kept going in that trajectory, eventually that's what would have happened. But I had three individuals that intervened. It was a really good friend of mine. She's a Christian, very, very sweet. I remember renting with her and I've just like all these problems with my husband and she listened very intently and let me just say my piece. And then she was like, followed up with a whole lot of correction (laughs) in a very loving way. But Mm -hmm. she said, okay, I've listened to what you have to say. And I mean, she said it a lot sweeter, but it was like, frankly, I don't care what you have to say. This is what you need to do. You need to take your daughter. You need to pack up your things. You need to move to Pennsylvania and be with your husband. And you need to leave the church behind and you need to leave I also had a business at the time. You need to leave your business behind and that you need to work on your marriage first before you can even consider doing any kind of ministry. Wow. What was your gut reaction when you heard that? Oh, I was so defensive. Yeah. She doesn't know what I'm talking, like, you know, what she's talking about. Like, yeah. You know, the classes were going really good at the church and the youth group was growing and, you know, and those kids loved me a lot. And I was like, how can like, 
no, it just didn't make sense to me. And I didn't take that very easily. But my parents also intervened. So my parents are pastors. And um, I learned this after the fact that my husband had actually reached out to them for help. They didn't tell me that that's why they, you know, sat me down and talked with me. But they kind of gave me the same, they told me the same thing. And uh, of course, I was, at first, I was very antagonistic to the correction. But with time, as I meditated through it, I knew I had two paths and I had to choose. Intellectually, fundamentally, I knew they were right because I knew God's word that I had to go back to my husband. So I, I made that decision. I said, okay. Yeah. And can we dig a little bit more into that decision-making process, right? You said you meditated because that's a hard decision. I mean, I can imagine all kinds of thoughts and feelings. I mean, immediately what comes to mind is feelings of resentment. Almost like, well, I have all these things working in my favor. I'm doing the work of God where I am. I am making or I'm building the faith of of the youth through the church. I mean, doesn't that matter versus almost feeling like, well, okay, I have to be the one to give it all up. You know, I have to be the one who has to go and meet my husband in a place where I don't have friends, where I don't have, you know, roots at all. How do you work through all of that? So, yeah, I went through different phases. So the first one, of course, was anger, anger towards my friend, anger towards my parents, um, exactly that resentment, like how can um, resentment towards God, things just didn't make sense. Um, angry at myself at the time being like, ah, oh, why did I marry a man that was not a, a Christian? There, You know, there was just a plethora of emotions uh, but through that, like I still knew I had to reach out to God. I, God and I have a history. We have a long history, and I have a, a childhood full of trauma, and I was raised in a broken home, and I found God in that place. So I was able to pull on that to say, okay, none of this makes sense to me, but you've pulled me from the darkness before, and I just have to trust you. You know, I just have to do the right thing. I just have to be obedient. And that's the, eventually just got to the point where it says, okay, I just have to be obedient. And I like to say that I have had complete faith that everything would work out. I didn't, but I was like, I've tried the path of the world before and it was not going so well. So I have to just trust and I just have to make the right choice. Thankfully, by God's grace. I did, and he helped me along the way. And one of those underlying stressors I hadn't talked about was that I uh, had not been able to get pregnant. And so in addition to everything that we were going on, like I, I still had that, just that longing for a second kid. And that's why my girls are five years apart, because we'd been trying and it just hadn't happened. But the day after I told my husband, I'm moving back to PA. He, um, my mom, a couple of weeks before had said, you know, I think you're hormonal. I think you're pregnant. <laughs> and I told her mom, you're crazy. I've, I had too many like false alarms to want to get excited about anything like that. But I told her you're crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. But I had also 
been drinking a lot more during that time than I usually do. I drink socially, but I was definitely um, doing more than I, I should have been at the time. And I remember talking to my husband so the day after, and I said, you know, I should probably take a pregnancy test just in case. And it was, um, I was pregnant. And like, I knew like that was God's grace. Like, okay, you made the right, you made the choice to be obedient. So let me show you what I can do. That was after you moved to PA? That was the day after I told him I was going to move back with him. Oh, wow. He was, okay. He was visiting. Yeah, he was uh, down there that weekend mm-hmm. in Virginia. And I, I took that opportunity to say, told him I'm coming home. Mm-hmm. And the day after I found out I was pregnant. Wow. So that was a big push from God's God's side. Yeah, confirming that. Yes, you are doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. So during that time as you were making that that choice to move to PA, what was the main source of hope for you? Well, in in making that honestly, like I didn't have a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I just um the the pregnancy thing was I mean, that was huge that it reminded me that I could trust God, but I just didn't see how things were going to play out because my husband wasn't changing and he didn't for at least two years after that. And he still was not a Christian and I still was going to move away from my brother and my sister and this um, new community of friends that I had found in, in this church. And if there was hope, it was a very dim light for me. The only thing I, like I said, I could pull from was from my past to know that God had pulled me through. And so I knew that I just had to trust one way or another, but I just, I didn't see, I couldn't see a a clear path forward, like how things were going to be better, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And how did you know that God wanted you to be obedient in your marriage over continuing to be obedient in the work that you were doing at the church? Yeah, I pulled from scriptures, you know, the, the scriptures about leadership, you know, where it says like, you know, make sure that your house is in order. Mm-hmm. And uh, my house was not in order. So fundamentally, biblically, I knew that that had to be in order before I could go back to doing ministry. And I did take a break. I spent several years just focusing on my marriage before I went back into into ministry. Yeah. So let's talk about that rebuilding portion of your journey. So you moved to PA, you found out that you're pregnant. What happened next? I was miserable. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I was, uh, I mean, you know, like I didn't have friends. I didn't know anybody. I'm an introvert by nature. I'm not an extrovert. And so it's not easy for me to make friends. And much less with friends that are women. Our first 10 years of marriage, most of my friends were men, which was not healthy in the long run. My husband is not a the jealous type, so he didn't really care or mind. But I like a lot of strange things. Like, you know, I studied militaries, I studied war, so I, I could have a lot of interesting conversations with men that I couldn't typically have with women. And so, um, so being in this place, knowing how hard it is for me to make friends, not having a community where I could easily seek friends who didn't have a, a church or 
anything. My husband worked super long hours. And when he was home, it was still the same. He was still the same person that upset me initially. I would spend hours. I have this dining room table with a long bench and I would just lay on that bench. Like I would put a a good face for my daughter, send her off to school. And I would just lay on that bench for hours and cry and cry and cry. But just, you know, thinking again through like God's word, I, I knew that that love had to be a choice. And so I made the choice. I'm going to make my husband coffee every morning. Practically, that's kind of what I started doing is that I'm going to wake up early and I'm going to have his coffee ready before he goes to work. And I and I didn't want to do it. Like, I didn't feel like doing it, but I felt like I'm going to show a sign of love and respect and I'm going to make his coffee every morning. And And then I built on that started with coffee and then we move on to other kind actions and and other things. And I just, I chose to love him even though I didn't feel it at first. Yeah. That's a, that's a hard thing. It's a really hard thing. You have to really set aside your self pride, right. To be able to do that. Yeah. And it is a hard thing. Like I said, I, he, I would make him his coffee and then I would cry for hours on the bench, you know? So it, it was very, very hard. But in hindsight, I know that God was there and that uh, he would show me how big he was eventually. And he did, but I felt pretty alone. Now, did you ever feel like, nope, I got it wrong or nope, sorry, God, you got it wrong. This was not the right choice. I'm going to go back to Virginia. I don't think so. I mean, I knew I, on the surface, I'd be happier in Virginia, but I still like had that like, like I, I, I knew it was the right thing. I knew it was the right thing for me to be there. I didn't know how long I was going to be suffering in that state. And for all I knew, it could have been years. It could have been decades. I had no idea. I wasn't very happy. And there was not a lot of contentment in my life at that moment. But I was just focusing on the obedience part. like Because it, it was all I had the energy to do was do one thing at a time. I couldn't do, go beyond that. So how long was that period before you saw some transformation in your relationship? I would say that definitely, you know, within a few months, like his heart softened. I I think the little things that I would do for him, like little things like say thank you or, you know, do little things for me here and there. His heart softened in, in that respect. But he didn't come to Christ until maybe three years after that, where I saw true transformation in him. So initially within those three years, like his heart softened because he got angry too, right? Because I, I, I wanted to leave him. I didn't want to come home. Um, right. Yeah. And that just made the problem worse. But eventually his heart softened towards me and, and I could begin to see it, even though I still didn't want to be in the marriage, I guess. But, you know, it just, it was painstakingly slow but it hit a climax eventually where he did come to accept Christ. And it was just kind of like out of the blue. It wasn't, I wasn't expecting it. My parents were visiting that weekend and my dad had asked him if he was, if he wanted to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And he said, no. And I don't know, my parents were there for a week maybe, but the day before my parents left, he told me, like, you need to understand I'm not going to be that guy. I am not going to be a Jesus follower, and you just need to live with that for the rest of your life. And I remember, like, sobbing 
like after he told me that, just sobbing. And the next day, um, my dad was about to leave and he turned around and he's like, I feel like I need to ask you one more time, Julio. This is it. God's calling you. Do you want to accept Jesus? And he said, yes. Like I wow. like fell down <laughs> to the floor in shock. Like I was like, I couldn't believe it. And that has been, and that was the beginning of his own transformation. And it's been a steady climb for him to the point now where I would say the last five years, I have gotten to know my husband like a lot more deeply, like truly get to know him because he has opened a lot more about the things that he went through, his childhood, things that he went through in the military, things that he went through in Afghanistan that I had never, I had no idea for years of what he thinks that he had seen or, uh, or been through. So God was always there and God showed up big time in different parts of, uh, of that sort of process. Yeah. But the first two years was really just waiting. Even if I felt miserable, it was just waiting, waiting on God. Yeah. And to have that trust that God would work in your marriage and work in you as well as your husband. Because I think that's important to acknowledge you were being obedient to what God was calling you to do, even though it was so hard. You had to force yourself to do those, you know, small things. And at the time, God was working on your husband. Yes, he was. I didn't know it, but he was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. I couldn't see it. Yeah. I couldn't see it, but uh, he definitely was. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could sum it up, thinking back to your entire journey, the work that God did in your life, the work that God did in your husband's life, if you could sum it up, who is God? God is good. And God is merciful and and cares about the the details of our life and uh man he loves us so much and just a kind of a a little brief story but it kind of shows you the ways that God started revealing himself to me uh, remember i told you i had gone through all of our savings and i i left my business so we lost 50% of our income when i moved up to uh so we were like struggling month to month and I don't know. I got in my head that I wanted some stoneware and, um, I just was thinking about it. I was like, Oh, like, cause I was cooking a lot more than I was like, I'd really love to have some of this, but it was definitely not in the budget. Nothing extra was in the budget. The next day, a friend, we just had a play date and I came over and I entered into his house and she had the stoneware on her table laid out. And she said to me, Luisa, I'm just going through my cabinets and I got this stuff that I don't use anymore. Would you like to take any of it? Wow. And, yeah. And it like, it just broke me because part of me felt so guilty for the things that I had done and, and the, the ways that I had contributed to just the whole mess. But to see like God's grace and to see he sees me, like this is so unnecessary. I don't need stoneware. It's not that important in the scheme of things. But for him to say, I love you and I want to bless you with this, even though I know you can't afford it. Like I'm going to bless you with it. So I saw his goodness. I saw his love and I saw that he sees us every detail. Yeah. And you were even being obedient in that moment because it was something that was going to be used to serve your family because you're cooking for your family. And I love how God showed up 
just like that. Yeah, he did. Amazing. So for moms who are struggling with their marriage and they're not sure what to do, they feel like it's it's a done deal, you've shared a lot about what you've done in your marriage to restore it. What's something you'd like to tell them? One, like, we have to choose to love even though it's not easy and, like, we can't change our husbands. We can't nag them into them being the person that we want them to be. And even, even now, even just how much stronger our, our marriage has gotten, I've come to recognize that my husband can never completely fulfill me. He can never completely understand my emotions. He can never meet all of my needs, whether emotionally or, or any other type. He can never do that completely because he's a broken person. We're all so broken. That was very important for me to come to the realization. He'll never be able to meet those needs. Only God can. So when we look to our husbands as the one that's going to fulfill our dreams and our needs and uh, fill every emotional void, we're bound to always be disappointed. But when you know that only God can do that and you trust for him to do that, like, only God knew I, I wanted that stoneware. It's not something I even told my <laughs> husband about, right? Because he would have been like, that's a little frivolous. Um, you know, only God can completely fulfill that need. And that's who we need to run to. We need to just understand that our husbands are just as broken as we are. We're both broken. We are both desperately in need of God. I think that's important to make that mental change if we want to begin to see our husbands differently and begin to see our marriages differently. Hey friend, I hope you enjoyed that replay episode with Luisa Rodriguez. To connect with Luisa and learn more about her story, as well as all of the work she's doing for today's Christian mom, head over to FruitfullyLiving.com. Also, don't forget to enter for a chance to win a copy of God is Still Good by Katie Ferris. She was on last week and her advice and wisdom and uh, reassuring words, I mean, they're always top-notch. So make sure to go check that out. Uh, we also talked about highlights from the book. So if you want to know, you know, what is this book about? How is this a lifeline for weary moms? I encourage you to go listen to that. But if you want to enter the giveaway, go to katie.momsgrabcoffee.com. Coming up for the next two weeks, I'm going to be talking about how we schedule our days and the tried and true systems that we mamas can use to maintain a level of peace for ourselves as well as for our household. I'll have Laura Hernandez from Mama Systems to talk to us about that. So as always, make sure you are following the show wherever you are listening. Okay, friend, have a beautiful week, and I'll catch you again next time for a cup of coffee with a side of faith wisdom, and hope.